Hi, it's Janine Warner, and you're listening to the 360 Entrepreneur Podcast with Jan Ilunga. This is episode number two, and today we talk about how to create a great website, even if you don't have much coding skills. Here we go. Welcome to the 360 Entrepreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs and small business owners who dream big and want to do bigger. Join some of the world's top entrepreneurs, internet marketers, and best-selling authors as they share their inspiring stories, their struggles, and give actionable tips that will help you build, grow, and promote your online business. Here's your host, Yanni Lunga. Hey everybody, what's up? Yanni Lunga here from the 360entrepreneur.net with the second episode of the 360 Entrepreneur podcast. Super, super pumped about being here with you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day for listening to this great, great episode. Today we talk about how you can easily create a cool website. And it doesn't matter if you don't have a website and have been thinking about building one for your business or if you already have a website because we're going to get some tips for both people. So if you have a website or if you don't have a website and have been thinking about building one or maybe you want to outsource the project, you're thinking about hiring a freelancer, you're going to hear some things you should think about to do all these things. And what a guest we have here joining us today. Before I go more in depth about today's guest, let's take a second to thank today's sponsor. When talking about web hosting, there is no doubt. Bluehost is the number one web hosting service. For just $3.95 a month, you get a limited web hosting, a limited domain hosting, which means that you can host as many websites as you want with just a single Bluehost account and you get 24-7 top-notch support, and you can install your WordPress sites automatically with just a couple of clicks. Go to 36entrepreneur.net slash Bluehost to sign up, and when you do, you get a $50 Facebook credit and $100 worth of Google AdWords. That's at 36entrepreneur.net slash Bluehost. Okay, so I was telling you about today's guest. She's one of my favorite authors and I'm so happy about starting this podcast because the podcast gives me the opportunity to speak with people like her. She's an author. She's an online instructor. She's, she is a journalist turned geek and web design teacher. And I'm so excited about having here on the podcast none other than Janine Warner. You find the links to everything Janine and I mentioned in this episode at 360entrepreneur.net slash episode 2. That's 360entrepreneur.net slash episode 2. Let's hear it. Here is how to easily create a cool website with Janine Warner. Have fun, guys. Hey, everyone. I'm here with a very, very special guest for this episode of the 360 Entrepreneur Podcast. And today, today we talk about websites. We talk about how to craft a killer website and you know, don't worry if you if you're not a techie person if you don't know pretty much anything about programming you're still gonna get plenty of value out of this episode and when i thought about this episode i really went out and reached out to the number one expert at least in my opinion in web development and my guest today is a speaker is a is a teacher she has taught some courses on creative live She's an author and I have one of her books. It's actually the very first book I I had. I think I purchased it like maybe four or five years ago about web design. And the, the book, it's called Do-It-Yourself Websites for Dummies of the Popular for Dummies 
series. And it's with great pleasure that I welcome on the show Janine Warner. Hey, Janine, how's it going? Hey, Jan, thanks so much for having me. And I, I just have to correct you with one thing. First, yeah, sure. Thank you for buying my book years ago. I so appreciate it. But I would never introduce myself as an expert because, <laughs> in my opinion, there are no experts on the Internet. We are all students. We're all trying to figure this out. And if you feel like you haven't quite figured it out yet, then join the club of perpetual students that I am honored to be part of. <laughs> okay, then, then I should say a student who knows a lot about web design. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I say I'm a really hard-working student. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, but, you know, Janine, seriously, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. And as I said, as I told you also before the interview, I showed you the book. That book, it's really the very first book I used as the basis of my kind of web design education. And I gave a very short intro about yourself. You have taught courses on Creative Live. You have your own digital design firm there in LA called Digital Family. You're an author. But can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, your passion for web design? Where did that, where did that come from? I'd be honored, Jan. I actually started my career as a journalist, and I still work a lot with media companies and uh, journalists who are trying to figure out how to share information better online. And if I were to put an umbrella over everything I've done, it's really about empowering people to create their own websites, to share their own ideas, to teach the world in all the ways we do. I really believe that one of the most powerful things about the internet is the ability for anyone to become a publisher and to mm -hmm. share information with potentially a very large audience or a very targeted one. And that really drives everything I've done from my work as a journalist to teaching web design, to teaching entrepreneurial journalism and increasingly working with what I call digital content startups, people who are really focused on creating websites and figuring out how you make them sustainable businesses so that you can continue to do the great work you're doing. So some of that has been Dummies Books. I've actually created courses for Creative Live, for Lynda.com, for Kelby One. I'm working on another MOOC, a massive open online classroom for the University of Texas. Whoa. That course is taught in Spanish. I teach in Spanish as well as English now. So really um, getting a, an increasingly global perspective myself and traveling more and more around the world to share my ideas, my technical training, as well as Really what separates me as a web design person is my interest and passion for the content itself. So I do a lot of content strategy. What do you say on that website as well as what are the best ways to technically develop it? And it's that merging of content and technology that I think is what I call the digital alchemy of web design. <laughs> you know, Janine, I really, I really love what you do. And obviously, you know, before this interview, I really looked your website, jcwarner.com, to be, you know, more updated to see about the latest projects you have been involved with. On the website, there are all the, you know, the speaking gigs, there are the books mentioned there, all the things you've just told us, like more information on, on yourself. And you you talked about the content strategy part of, of web design, and it's something that we're going to talk about later on. And I know that you have written about Dreamweaver, You've written about WordPress, and today there are plenty of great options for really developing a website, even if one has no programming skills. But if you were to give one a recommendation in terms of, of platforms, which one would you recommend for start for starts? 
Well, that's a great question. And people ask me all the time, what program <laughs> should I use to create my website? And I, I can't give you just one. You'll find I almost never give one answer because there's so many options out there. So clearly WordPress is a leader in the industry. One out of five websites today is created with WordPress. Mm -hmm. I'm extremely passionate about this open source system. A lot of people are confused that you can go to wordpress.com and create a site there, or you can use the wordpress.org alternative, which lets you create sites at any web hosting service. They both have a lot to offer. They're slightly different. And WordPress is especially popular because it's very easy to update sites, to mm -hmm. add posts to your blog and things like that. And it's highly customizable. You can create extremely complex websites using WordPress, but it does sometimes overwhelm and confuse people. It's really easy to just put a new post, but if you try to customize the design yourself and you're really brand new to the web, you can get lost in WordPress. Mm -hmm. Now there are tons of training materials, because it's an open source community, which means that lots of people are working on WordPress and developing things for WordPress, there's a lot of support out there. But there are some easier tools. There are some free ways to create sites that are a little bit simpler, Wix and um, Weebly and some of these other sites. Uh, Squarespace has been getting a lot of attention. You have to pay for that one, but it has some professional levels of service. Those are probably the simplest options, Squarespace, Wix, or Weebly. Some people find them more limited, but if you know nothing, you may find those easier. If you want some customization, if you want to be part of the really big use on the web, the people that are really serious about web design, then WordPress is absolutely the way that most of us are going. And you mentioned Dreamweaver. I've written many, many books about Dreamweaver. <laughs> it's, it's the number one web design program from Adobe. Adobe created Photoshop and InDesign and a lot of other very popular design tools. And I still love Dreamweaver, but I mostly use Dreamweaver today to edit and customize sites in WordPress because it has some really nice programming tools and design tools that help me do the customization of WordPress. So you can create sites entirely in Dreamweaver and lots of people still do. If you're a fan of, create, of the Creative Suite from Adobe, that may very well be the right way for you to do it. But really the number one tool out there today is definitely WordPress. And I highly recommend it to most of my clients as well as my friends. Okay, Janine, first of all, thank you so much for throwing some options out there. And guys, you will find the links to all the options Janine has mentioned in the show notes so that you can check each option out and see which one you prefer, see you know what road you want to go down to. And you mentioned WordPress that you often recommend that to your to your customers. So I'll I'll, I'll definitely you uh, vote for making an example for our listeners about building a website on WordPress is the same platforms I've used for years for building websites. So Janine, my question to you is, you know, when we think about building a website, what are the, the first things we should think about even kind of before getting our hands dirty and actually building the website? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So many people sort of dive in and start designing the front page and that's where they think they should start. And I'll tell you, it really helps to take a step back before you start building, before you choose the theme for your WordPress site, before you even get in to the technical and design elements, step back and think, why am I doing this? What is my main goal of having a website in the first place? What is the audience I want to reach? And asking those preliminary questions and really getting clear, 
who's my audience and where are they and what motivates them so I make sure that everything on my site is focused on that audience. What is my goal? Am I trying to sell products? Am I selling a service? Am I trying to teach the world? What am I trying to teach Hmm. the world? Asking those questions first and getting clear on those can help you with all the decisions that come later. Should I choose a tool that has e-commerce or not? If I'm not selling products, I get to do a more simple website. If I'm selling products, I need to think about that from the start or I may go down the wrong path pick a tool that's not going to work. Is this a really simple site about myself and I only need a few pages so almost anything's going to work? Or is this a site where I want multiple people to be able to contribute and add ideas and I'm going to really need the power of a tool like WordPress to even get started? So if you don't ask those questions at the beginning, you don't spend a little time doing that planning before you launch, then you're almost sure to make some mistakes as you start choosing the design and technology. If you do get clear on your top three goals, your main target audience, and some of those other mission-critical planning elements, then all the other decisions become much easier. And then I'll tell you the other place that I see people miss, because people come to me and they say, I want a website, but what they really want is to launch a new business and all that that entails, (laughs) or to attract an audience and all that that entails. It's not just a website. So planning at the beginning, thinking through that, finding the right technology and spending the time to build it. And then don't forget that after you build it, you need to promote it. So at the very least, web design should be a three-step, a macro step, three big steps process. Plan, execute, and promote. And if you're not thinking already about how am I going to let people know that my website exists, how am I going to get them to come there by creating smart content I see it on other people's websites, great posts that I put on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and other social sites. You need to really be thinking about the promotion plan as well, because as people, it's almost cliche to say now, but just because you build it doesn't mean they will come. Mm-hmm. Amen, Janine. No, really, you know, you. I think you really nailed it when you talked about the first step of kind of this three steps uh, process, the planning, because once you really and know what you want to do. So with your website, do you want to sell a product? Do you want to educate people? Do you want to connect with others? Do you want to showcase your your work through a portfolio, for example? Then it's really easy to know what what kind of website to build. And guys, in case you're really newbies uh, with WordPress, WordPress, it's really easy because it works with components called widgets, widgets or plugins. So that, for example, if you need... Uh, if you want to sell something on your on your WordPress site, you can easily integrate a plugin that allows you to to sell products. So it's really easy. And maybe we're gonna go more in in details about that. But Janine, I think you you really got you know really down to it. So to plan, to execute, and to and to promote it. And once we are done with the planning, so let's say for example, uh, you and I want to promote the, our new our new book. Let's say we, that we have written together. What is the next step? Well, I think really thinking about what am I going to put on your site. And I mentioned in the intro that one of my specialties is content strategy. And I think one of the things that sets us apart as a web design firm and me as an instructor of web design is that I pay attention to the content as well as the technology and design. So if I were to give your audience the best advice, there are lots of people out there that can teach you how to build a site. There are lots of support, as you said, for WordPress, there are plugins and themes and all kinds of things. But when you get down to, okay, 
what am I actually putting on the page? And if you're not a writer, if you're not used to shooting your own video, if you don't know much about Photoshop, creating that content can really be the challenge. So either getting some support on that or making sure you have some time for that. But some kind of key elements to any good website, obviously a front page that invites and engages people. And a lot of times we talk about creating what we call a funnel. So the front page should kind of gather people for a number of reasons and then drive them step-by-step step to taking some kind of action. You really wanna make sure that your front page has some very clear call to action. If your top goal is to sell a product, then it should lead them to the store where they can buy them. If your top goal is to get them to hire you for your service that you provide, then it should lead them to a contact page and a way to invite them to get more information about the service you offer. If you want them to sign up for your newsletter, that should be front and center. So making sure that the front page really drives people to the main action you want them to take. Then you wanna back that up. You wanna make sure that if somebody's still skeptical as they're thinking about taking that action, that you have something we call social proof. So mm -hmm. testimonials from customers who loved what you did. Um, other things that show that you have credit, how many followers you have on LinkedIn, how many products you've already sold. If you've got big numbers, include those in there so that people go, oh, wow, if, if 40,000 people have already downloaded this plugin, it must be good. If yeah. 50 people have bought this service and every one of them loved it, if these five people with their pictures and their credible voices are saying how great this person is or how wonderful this book was and how helpful, then I'm more likely to believe that. So you start with this call to action and then down lower on the page and deeper into the site, you want to make sure you have some things that really build your credibility for those skeptical people that aren't quite sure until they get there. So an about page, testimonials, things that help build your credibility. And don't forget things like case studies. If you're a service provider, show me, demonstrate what you've done for others that can help me understand what you might be able to do for me. Those are just some of the many things that we develop for clients as well as the technology, help them develop their biographies, their case studies, videos, all of that kind of content that goes into a website that many people underestimate when they say, I need a website. They forget <laughs> how all that content has to be created as well. Man, I'm loving this episode. So many great tips. Thank you so much, Janine. And before we continue, let's take a second to thank today's sponsor. If you're looking for a web hosting service, my number one recommendation is Bluehost. For just $3.95 a month, you get a limited web hosting and a limited domain, which means that you can host as many websites as you want with just a single Bluehost account. You get 24-7 top-notch support and you can install all of your WordPress sites with just a couple of clicks. Go to 36entrepreneur.net slash Bluehost to sign up. And when you do, Bluehost gives you a $50 Facebook credit and $100 worth of Google AdWords. That's at 36entrepreneur.net slash Bluehost. I, I, Janine, I'm really loving this. And I think, again, you touched on, on some very important uh, points. You talked about, for example, the importance of, of social proof. And if we think about it, that's what really drives us. For example, when we want to buy something... Uh, let's say on Amazon, we want to buy, buy Janine latest book. The first thing we do, maybe we read the description of the book and then we check the reviews. So to see what people have said about the book. So your website, like Janine said, should really, you know, if there is someone who is skeptical about taking that next step, should really contain elements such as 
testimonials or some some case studies like she said that really you know kind of takes their skepticism away and really pushes them toward clicking for example to the next page and Janine you mentioned the email list and I'd like and I'd like to ask you about that for a second because we know that in online marketing there is the say the money the money is in the list because the email list is very very important element of a website and of an online marketing uh, strategy so what what are your thoughts on on email list first of all you know where should we place for example the opt-in form if we want to have an email list and second of all do you have some suggestions for example in terms of uh, lead lead magnets so what should we offer to our to our you know potential subscribers do you have any recommendation sure well there are again lots of great trainers out there who focus just on email because it's so important mm-hmm. and all of the top email services a lot of people don't realize as soon as you're sending more than 10 or 20 emails to people that are more or less the same because you've got a mailing list you really should use one of the email services like MailChimp or Constant Contact or one of those. There are dozens of them out there. MailChimp's one of the most popular because it has a free level of service up to a certain number of addresses and it makes it really easy to just test out what it's like to use one of these services. So my first advice is get a service like that so that you can have an easy opt-in form, a good way to manage the people on your list because legally there are a number of requirements about sending out bulk email that are Mm -hmm. mandated by the US government in an effort to try and cut down on all the spam we receive. If you get hundreds of spam messages every day like I do, you may think you may be a little skeptical (laughs) about whether this law is working. But if you want to be a legitimate person sending email to legitimate people who have chosen to follow it, you really have to follow those rules. And the bulk email services can help make sure you do. And that includes things like a very easy way for people to unsubscribe if they ever choose to get off that list. So that's the first thing. Make sure you're doing it right from the start. You're doing it legally. Then how do you get people to sign up? Yes. Where you put it on the page matters a lot. If your number one goal is to drive people to your list, and a lot of people who are trying to sell products especially find that that mailing list is one of the most valuable ways to do it, then put it high on your site, make it one of the first things you invite people to do, and give them some incentive. And those incentives tend to be ebooks, infographics, some kind of juicy information, top 10 lists that make me really want to know the answer that if I fill out my name on your mailing list, you'll send me some information right away. Another best practice I've seen that I'm really liking and I'm actually working on implementing myself is to set up two or three automated emails right away. Mm -hmm. So when somebody subscribes, they get a message right away and then a few days later, a week later, they get another message. A few days later, a week later, they get another message. And those three really take them through some kind of process. So another offer that people are making you could have, here's the ebook you could download right now. Here's the top 10 list you can download right now if you give me your email address. Or sign up for my email and get my three-week process to complete this or my three-step process mm-hmm. to do this. And that's a, a really hot new trend in email lists is to have an automated list. It saves you a lot of trouble and it gives another incentive for people to sign up. Oh, I'm going to get reminders every week that I should optimize the SEO on my website with some tips about how to do it. Or every week I'm going to get tips about the best wine to buy this week in the store. (laughs) There are lots of expertise you can use a mailing list for. Again, Janine, great tips. And you talked about some of the latest trends in email marketing. And yes, I think this kind of sort of uh, email 
courses are becoming very, very popular. So like you said, for example, you know, uh, I don't know, 10 days to whatever, that every every day the, the subscriber receives an automated email that you've written beforehand, maybe with some with some link or some video, for example. Those are all great tips that you mentioned. Ebooks can be some report. Again, obviously, it really depends from what you guys are doing and what you you know want the the value to be. So if you want to, you know, the value of of your offer it really depends on that. And Janine, I know you told us that you really love the content strategy part of of a website so i want to to ask you some tips in terms of of content strategy once again it really depends you know for obviously everyone who is listening to you and i today might have different goals in mind and different you know ways they want to convey their messages but what what tips do you have in terms of content strategy what have you seen that works particularly well these days Sure. Well, I could talk about this topic for hours. But let me <laughs> just give you two <laughs> two top tips that really seem to resonate with a lot of people. One of them is there's this message about the internet that everything should be really short. That you should write very very short things for the internet. And I would say bite-sized, snackable pieces of information, bullet lists, short lists, things like that are great. But don't forget that some people also want to go deeper. Mm-hmm. I'm not the first one to come up with this idea, but a lot of us think about websites in terms of three seconds and 3,000 minutes. So if I can't tell what your website's about in one 1,000, two 1,000, three 1,000, you've lost me. Mm -hmm. So you need to catch my attention and bring me in faster than ever before. But remember, once you've got my attention, some people are going to want to read a lot about you and go deeper and deeper and deeper into what you're doing, what you're teaching, what you're offering. So get the snackable stuff, get the bite-sized stuff in the front on the top of each page to get my attention. But then don't be afraid to have long scrollable pages that walk me through more and more information about what you offer, more social proof, more reasons that I should purchase your service Mm -hmm. or buy your product. That really seems to be the right combination. Awesome. So kind of to give a, an appetizer that is really appealing and then really the main course that goes deeper. And, and another question I have to ask you uh, earlier, we, we talked about uh, call to actions and, you know, the importance of, of the on page. You mentioned also, for example, the importance of having an about page and showing social proof or a contact page. And do you think we should think when we build a website, should we think about each page separately and about the the goal we want to achieve which, uh, with each page? Because I've seen today uh, something that to me looks kind of like a new trend in, you know, in online marketing, for example, when it comes to uh, opt-in forms, there isn't a single opt-in forms, but there are different opt-in forms throughout the website. So what are, what is your take on that? It's a very astute question, Jan, and I agree. That's absolutely a trend. And it really comes from the fact that every you should think about every page on your website as a landing page. And by that, I mean, if I'm searching Google, I may get a link that goes to your front page, but even more likely these days, I'm going to get a link that goes straight to a specific page within your website that best matches what I searched for. Or if somebody's posting things on the internet, on social media about you, they may be linking to your speaking page or the book that de- the page that describes your book, 
not just the front page of your website. So for example, you can have different invitations to your mailing list on each of the pages of your site. So you can have opt-in forms on the front page, you might have a, a more general invitation. Here's a top 10 list and sign up for my mailing list and you'll get it right away. But on the page about a book, for example, you might offer the first chapter of the book in exchange for signing up for the mailing list. And if you have other specific skills or products on your site, you might have opt-in lists that are specific to those topics. And in that way, you optimize each page and you can even customize your mailing list. Some of the best email marketing people don't just have one mailing list, they have multiple lists and they do slightly different emails to each of those groups of people in those lists. And again, those bulk email services like MailChimp can really help you manage that efficiently and effectively. Yeah, and you know, I you know that sometimes when I when I see those kind of websites, I'm really curious to see how the the behind the scenes, so the back end uh, of their email lists work uh, work because, like you said, they have different different uh, email lists or some autoresponder series where they've prepared a series of of emails beforehand. And again, I think that can be a great strategy. Really depends on on what you want to do, and again, you know the the purpose that your website serves and we we talked about this this new trend and i have to to ask you to to say a couple of of words on on you know mobile responsive websites because we know that today you know more and more people are browsing the web through their smartphones or tablets so how important is having a website that is mobile responsive it's extraordinary to look at the trend in mobile use on the web. It's actually flipping. So it used to be that most people went to the web on desktops and a few people went on mobile. Increasingly, we're seeing that number in reverse, that more people are going to websites on mobile than on desktops, especially when you look globally and at some of the news sites that I work with and others, that number has really flipped just in the last 12 months from 30% mobile to 70% mobile. So if you're not optimizing your site for mobile, if you haven't made your website accessible on all the different screen sizes out there, you're probably missing a big part of your audience. And responsive design is a term that gets thrown around a lot. <laughs> it really just means that you're designing your site in a way that is fluid so that it adjusts to many different screen sizes, not just little tiny mobile devices, but also tablet sized devices and even those giant screen sizes. So the best websites go from really big to really small in a fairly elegant way. If you're using WordPress, that just means you wanna make sure that any theme you get is responsive. So when you're searching for themes, look for responsive themes. And if you're testing themes, the way to know if a theme is responsive is to simply take your browser window on your computer Click and drag on the right side of that browser, making it smaller and smaller, making it more and more narrow as you drag it over to the left. So you're taking your big browser window that maybe you usually have filled the whole screen and you're dragging it that right side of the browser window to the left so that the screen area, the area that's displayed in the browser gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And as you do, if you're looking at a responsive website, you'll see how that design adjusts and adapts to the different screen sizes. If you go to my website at digitalfamily.com, you can click on the right side of your browser and drag it into the left smaller and smaller and smaller, 
and you'll see how the boxes on the page, the elements on the page, reflow to work on different screen sizes. That's responsive design. And that's really the key toward forward-thinking web design. It's not just about being mobile, although mobile is, as I said, increasingly important. It's really about designing for all the different screen sizes out there. And you know, when you start to think about things like Google Glass, and I know Google Glass <laughs> has gotten some, some bad press lately, but there are eight competitors to Google Glass. There are a lot of people thinking about wearable devices and different kinds of displays. So everything from the watch on your wrist to the, the display that may be attached to something you wear on your face. There are a lot of different sizes we have to design for today. And that's really what responsive design is about. And and I think that, you know, some some listeners might be a bit scary, but like you said, with WordPress today or pretty much also all the other alternatives, like for example, Squarespace you mentioned, you know, guys, you don't really have to do anything. Just make sure, like Janine said, to check out that the theme you choose has a you know mobile responsive option and and that's it you don't have to do anything else and in case you're you're hiring uh, a web developer just make sure to mention that you want that the website is mobile responsive and Janine the last question I have to ask you obviously you're giving us a lot of food uh, food for thoughts for uh, building a website for scratch you talked about the presentation, you talked about the planning aspect, actually, I should say first, you talked about some of the pages, we've talked about email lists a little bit, now we've talked about some trends. And I know that on Creative Live, you taught a course that was on the redesign aspect of a blog. Mm -hmm. And that I think would be a great topic for wrapping up this conversation, because there are some people that might be listening to you and I who has who already have a website but perhaps they want to spice it up a little bit or you or they want to do a complete redesign so what tips do you have for them excellent question to end with Jan. and you're right increasingly when people come to us for web design they're not creating a new site they're redesigning an existing site and that adds a whole lot of complexity believe it or not mm -hmm. on the one hand you've got great content you can draw from on the other hand, you probably have content that needs to be refreshed and rewritten. So the first thing to do is really analyze what you already have and think very carefully about what you want instead before you start into the redesign. But just to give you a couple of the common errors I see people do, one of them is if you have a live website, especially if it's built with a tool like WordPress, you don't want to be redesigning the live site. You can make a real mess of the site your, <laughs> your audience is already seeing. So you need to create what I like to call a sandbox. Most people call it a development server or a testing site. I think sandbox is a little more playful word, <laughs> but it's really about having a place where you make a copy of your website that you can experiment with, play with, and then when you're done with all of the changes, replace your existing website. And that can be done on your own computer, even if you're using WordPress. A lot of people don't realize this, um, but you can set up your own computer to act like a web server and have all the software you need to use WordPress locally. There's a tool that I always recommend. I don't work for the company. I don't make money from the company, but I've been really impressed. It's called Desktop Server. I'm sure uh, you'll yeah, link I out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but that tool makes it a lot easier to edit a WordPress site locally and then publish it to your own server when you're done. But another thing I see with a lot of people who are redesigning a website, they're also often thinking about changing service providers at the same time. Mm -hmm. Most of us are not 100% happy with the first hosting service we chose, and maybe we're thinking about graduating to a new one. If you're redesigning your website, it's a great time to do that. So go ahead, set up a new account on the new hosting service, use a temporary domain name there, 
build your new site there while it's not visible to search engines, make sure if you're using WordPress within the settings, there's an option to check that lets you hide it from search engines. You do not want two copies of your website on the internet at the same time. Mm -hmm. You can really mess up your search engine optimization. But get that site built the way you want it on the new server. And then when you're done, you just redirect your domain name from the old server to the new server. And your wherever you've registered your domain name or your new hosting service can help you with that process. The last thing I'll tell you, the biggest problem that people have when they redesign a website is that they kill their search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. And that's because, remember, all those people who might have linked to your site, they don't always just link to your front page. They might link to some great list of tips or some great article that you posted or some wonderful blog post you did. When you redesign your site, you have to be very, very careful that you're not changing all the URLs on your site and breaking all those incoming links from Google as well as other sites. And there are a couple ways to do that. One of them is to just keep the taxonomy of your site the same, keep the structure and the links the same. But that's not always possible. If you're switching from Squarespace to WordPress, for example, or if you're going from a static site you built in Dreamweaver to a dynamic site or something like WordPress, those URLs have to change. Mm -hmm. And in that case, you're going to need to set up what we call 301 redirects. There are actually some nice plugins for WordPress that allow you to set those up. Otherwise, you're probably going to need somebody who really understands programming to do the, the WP config setup that's necessary to do a redirect because those depend a little on how your server's configured and how they're set up. But the essential idea is 301 redirects are like forwarding addresses when you move. You're telling Google, hey, I used to be over here and now I've moved down the street over here. <laughs> so all those links that used to go to the page that was at my domain slash about.html now have to go to my domain slash about.php. Well, that's a different URL. You need to have a change of address label somewhere out there. They're officially called 301 redirects. They're plugins to help with that. They're programmers that can set that up for you. But that's really one of the most important things not to kill your search engine optimization when you redesign your site. Janine, thank you so very much. You're really giving out so many valuable tips. And Janine, what do you say if we if we throw a challenge to, to our listeners? If there is someone who is redesigning their website, why don't you do so that you take, for example, a screenshot of your old homepage and then you take once you finish the new version you take a screenshot of that you copy paste those pictures together and you tweet them at Janine Warner and let her know that you came through the 36 entrepreneur podcast and I'm sure she will be happy to to give her to give you her thoughts so what do you say Janine I welcome that Jan I I am always happy to get new Twitter followers I love to follow people back and uh, I would love to see the before and after pictures. And I'll just tell you one last thing, because I think the hardest part about building a website or redesigning a website is thinking that it's good enough to launch. Yeah. And to quote, somebody, <laughs> to quote somebody way smarter than me, the founder of LinkedIn, I thought said brilliantly, if you're not at least a little bit embarrassed by your website when you launch it, you've waited too long. So remember, <laughs> you want to get the minimal viable product. You want to get the, the minimum amount of things that you think you have to have on your website before you launch. You want to get those good enough that you, you, you're not completely embarrassed by it. And then get it up there. Get it out there. Start seeing how people respond. Start looking at the Google Analytics. Everybody should be putting analytics on their site. It's very easy and free to use Google Analytics, but there are other analytics tools as well. Get the analytics on there and look and see how people respond to that website. And remember, websites, 
are an ongoing project. You're never done with a website. Yeah. It's why it makes it so hard for you to launch them. So get it up there when it's good enough that you can almost stand it, you're not too embarrassed by it, <laughs> and then see what the response is and keep designing, keep building, keep refining based on that feedback from your audience. And absolutely, tweet at Janine Warner, J-A-N-I-N-E-W-A-R-N-E-R, -E -E and I will be delighted to see what you've done. Sounds like a plan. And again, guys, in the show notes, you will find the links to Janine's websites, to her courses at, on Linda, on Creative Live, in case you want to learn even more about the topic, as well as to her books related to the topics. Janine Warner, thank you so very much for being here on the podcast and telling us more about what to think about when we want to build a website and also for giving us some tips in terms of redesigning a blog. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Alrighty, alrighty, we are back. Janine, thank you so much. I had a great time talking with you and thank you for all your great tips and advice here on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And guys, you've heard Janine and I have mentioned quite many resources and you really should choose the one that works best for you. You find the links to everything we have talked about at 360entrepreneur.net slash episode two. And I've also created a free cheat sheet where I mentioned 10 must have WordPress plugins. So if you have a WordPress website, you don't want to miss that one. You can download it for free again at 360entrepreneur.net slash episode two. I want to thank you again for being here with me. And I want to remind you that if you want to subscribe to the podcast so that you get every episode on your smartphone or tablet, as soon as I hit the publish button, you can simply go to 360entrepreneur.net slash iTunes. For the iTunes page of the podcast, you can click the subscribe button and it's all done. And if you feel like, feel free to leave a ratings and review as well to help the podcast rank high on iTunes and help other people find the show. Jan here. Thanks again, guys, and I'll be back with you tomorrow. Take care. Thank you for listening to the 360 Entrepreneur Podcast. For more tips and tools, head over to www.360entrepreneur.net. 